Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. Well, good morning, Freedom Church. We're in day 14 of the fast. No meat, no cheese. No sweet stuff, but a lot of Jesus, right? How many of you guys enjoying the fast and God speaking to you and doing amazing things? I'm, I'm excited for what God is doing. Last week, I mean, this past week, uh, we've had, uh, this Saturday, we had several people come in and get trained. And uh, we're so thankful for that as we get ready to start three strands and help families be restored and be mentored. And also another opportunity we have coming up that I want you to pray about is, man, Agape Ministries is this ministry where these Couples or families or women are considering adoption, I mean abortion, but they're, they're actually wanting to go through with their, and having the baby and choosing life because that's what God is, God's life. And we believe life starts at the moment of conception. We want to walk them through that. We want to start classes because here's the reality. I believe that one day God's going to give us a freedom center. I believe one day we're going to be able to reach some of the greatest needs in our city. But we can't wait for that one day. We got to start meeting needs today. That's why we're saying yes to helping with three strands and helping kids be reunified and, and their families be mentored. And that's why we're going to say yes to helping because one day I'm picturing a night of the week, a church that never sleeps, that goes and meets the needs of the community and that's what God's called us to be, a church without walls to love people and share the love of Jesus and the way we can do that is we got to give ourselves to that. So pray about being involved. Pray of any of those things. Pray about giving to that. When you give, 10% of everything that we give goes to missions and outreach because of your faithfulness, we're able to do that. But I'm excited what God's doing and I'm excited where God's going to be with us. So this morning, I have a simple question I want to ask you. How many of you are worriers? Man, raise your hand if you're just a worry. You worry. Okay? If you're not, maybe I can help you. You might be a worrier if every time you have a headache, you think you're going to have a brain aneurysm. How do you guys look for living like that? You might be a worrier if every time you hear a noise in your house, you think a murderer has just entered into the house. See, you might be a worrier if you're when your waiter takes too long to return your card, you think it's declined because sometimes you swipe by faith and not by sight and you forgot to check your account. Any worriers in the house this morning? How many of you, be honest, never worry at all? Raise your hand. You never worry at all. So most of us, every one of us, at some way or another, we struggle with worry. If I'm honest, I'm a natural worrier. I, I, I tend to worry quite a bit. And this issue of worry is an issue that has plagued me for a lot of my life. I, man, and, and it's something that runs in my family as well. And it's something that God's really dealing with me about this issue of worry. Because as I begin to look at, at 2020, especially this year, there are so many unknowns for me. And I feel as I've started the year that anxiety and worry seem to be constant companions. For example, some of my worries is my oldest daughter is graduating high school. Did I prepare enough? She's going to be safe on her own. Really, can, am I going to be able to release her is the big question. And how am I going to pay for college? Like, college is expensive. She wants to go to college. I want to send her. How is that going to take place? And then 
in the church, we're thinking like, man, God's leading us. How, man, how are we going to get everything? I'm getting ready to build, but we still need to get ready to get everything figured out with the city. We need to get some things ironed out with the builders. How much is it going to cost? So many unknowns. How many guys, how many guys have things that are outside your hands? No matter what you do, you cannot fix it yourself. And those moments cause extreme anxiety and worry. And this is what the Lord has told me, because there's a lot of things right now in my plate that I have absolutely no ability to fix. And this is what God's been speaking to me loudly and clearly over the especially last several weeks. Trust me. Trust me. I got this. Because worry and anxiety, it tells God, God, I know you created the universe. I know you hold the stars in existence, but hey, I, I can handle this right now. You go ahead and take the time off because I got a better plan than you. And let's be honest. You and I are really bad at being God. So this morning, here's my commitment that I want us to make. Let's give God his job back and let's go back to trust him, right? How many of you guys, let, let's, let, let's, let's worry. Let's say, God, I'm going to give you your job back this morning. I'm going to get off the throne and I want to trust you. But how many of you guys know it's easy to preach on trust. It's easy to say trust God. It's a lot harder to live out trusting God. Can I get an amen on that one? Because I can preach this message, but I'm preaching it to myself. And let me tell you, I'm not preaching as an expert. I'm preaching right now on the authority of God's word. That has all the authority we need. So don't, I'm not, don't listen to me and how I handle that because I can't handle that all right. But God's word handles everything. Thank the Lord. That's why I get up and speak because I'm not as an authoritarian, but God's word has all the authority. So let's pray that we would give God his job back right now. So right now, just close your hands and say, Lord, I trust you. I give you your job back and just open it up. Like, what's, what's, what's it you're, you're worrying about? Just say, I, I give you my family. I give you this situation. Lord, I give you your job back. I can't handle it. Tell them, I can't handle that job. Amen. Here's what I want to let you know. Worry communicates to God that we don't trust him. You can't build a long-lasting, loving relationship without trust. Trust is the foundation of every successful relationship. And that's why worry is such a horrible sin. It says, God, I don't trust you. And anxiety and worry lead us to some really tough questions that we got to answer. Do I really trust God in this situation? Do I really believe God's plan is better than my plan? Do I really believe he'll take care of me? Do I really believe that God is all I need? And this morning, as we continue our series, Defining Moments, and we look at the patriarchs and these, these incredible moments that change their faith forever, we're going to come to a passage where Abraham is asking this question, a question that you and I ask all the time, God, can I trust you? And what's amazing in this passage is God answers in the most astounding way and speaks into his fears and anxieties. See, the story of Abraham begins in Genesis chapter 12. And his name is not initially, initially Abraham, it's Abram. And God tells him, leave your people and go to a place I'll send you and I'll make you a father of a great nation. But, but let me give you a little bit of background of Abram at this age. He's 75 years old. His wife is barren. They have no kids. And God tells him he's going to go to a land and him and his wife are going to have a whole lot of babies. Granted, this is before Cialis and Viagra. This is an impossibility. I could imagine the conversation that Abraham and Sarai have at the time. They're like, God told me we're going to have a brand new land. We're going to have a whole bunch of babies. And I could picture Sarah telling him, I told you to stop drinking that old grape juice. You know what it does to you. Don't tell me that God spoke to you and told you this. 
And if you, but against all odds, he leaves and he's believing God for a brand new life. And if you read the life of Abraham, it's a call of total trust and dependence. It's a call of the Christian life. God says, I'm going to send you out. And Abraham says, where? And God says, just go. I'll tell you later. Trust me. Then God says, I'll give you land. And Abraham says, where's this land going to be? And God says, I'll tell you later. Just wander for a while. Trust me. God says, I'll give you a child. And Abraham, Abraham says, when? And God says, I'll tell you later. Just wait. Trust me. How many guys would just have a panic attack with what God's telling Abraham during this situation? Finally, he gives him one of the most difficult instructions. He tells him, kill your child. And Abraham asks, why? And God says, I'll tell you later. Just walk up the mountain. Trust me. And in every situation, Abraham trusted God's promise. He lived a life in which circumstances didn't define him, but his faith and trust in God defined his circumstances. He lived by simply saying this, that you're God and I'm not and I trust you. See, the less we trust God, the more we need to control our circumstances. So I want to give you a little quiz this morning to see if you're a control freak, okay? Because if you're a control freak, you're going to have a hard time living out this life. So first, here's the first question. First quiz is this. Do you ever help other people drive? Here, it's multiple choice. A, only when asked, or B, only when they're doing it wrong. If you tell people where to park and where to turn and how fast they're going, there's a good chance you might be a control freak. Okay, here's another question, number two. This is, we're going to get really deep. How many unread messages are currently in your e email inbox right now? Think about your email inbox. A, triple digits, mostly junk, okay. Or B, as of five minutes ago, zero. I'd better check. <laughs> if you answered B, you are a control freak. There's no doubt about it. The third one. One more quiz just to confirm whether you're a control freak or not. How do you react when someone loads the dishwasher improperly? Some of you are like, A, there's a wrong way. Like, whoo, there's a wrong way to. Or B, I weep for humanity as I reload it properly. If you answer B, you are a control freak. So let me tell you, for all our control freaks in here, I think we all have a little bit in us. Most of life is beyond your control. So you're going to have a really hard time. You don't plan when cancer comes. You don't plan the loss of a job. You don't plan that unexpected bill. So if you're going to make it through life, you need to trust a God who is in control when things seem out of control. And we pick up the story of Abram as he begins to understand this. And a decade later, after God tells him just to wander, he left his homeland, Ur. He's well into his 80s, and he still has no kid and no land. As we unpack this passage, I want you to notice three assurances, three promises God gives to Abraham that produced in him a trust that was bigger than his circumstances. This passage, I personally think, is the most important chapter in the entire Bible. You're going to see in this passage the clearest picture of the gospel of all, and the, of the gospel and all the scripture in the New Testament. It's like, have you ever picked up watching a series when you didn't watch the first uh, installment? You picked up two or three, and there's all kinds of hidden languages and things that you don't truly really understand. And, and let me tell you, you cannot truly understand the Bible until you understand this passage right here. So it's Genesis 15.1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And he says, fear not, Abram. 
I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. See, in this passage, we find Abram stressed out, afraid, and questioning God because of his circumstances. He has left everything. He's traveled into new lands. And he's traveled into these new lands. He's exposed to the possibility of raiding armies, taking his stuff, and possibly his life. Up to this point, God has blessed Abram monetarily. He's very wealthy. But if he's killed, all his possessions would fall into the hands of his servant Eliezer since he has no son. This is the equivalent of you having a brand new luxury Bentley and you're driving 35, but you have absolutely no insurance. If somebody comes and hits you, man, uh, uh, man uh, unless you're uh, a CEO, unless you're a baller shot, you're not going to be able to even fix the defender on a Bentley that needs repair. So he feels vulnerable. Have you ever been there? I can relate to Abram told you the story before we were getting ready to plant freedom church i resigned my job i had no income i needed to sell my house in the middle of recession in 2008 i was a sole provider for my family the girls would have no insurance now i was moving in a new place with no job i knew nobody and i knew that god told me to come to round rock to plant the church and like yes i'm following by faith but that night the very night that i resigned my job i went to bed and I could not sleep. How many of you guys have like an anxiety feel? It was like King Kong was on my chest. I stared into the black of the night and I literally could not breathe as I looked at the future with so many uncertainties and so much anxiety. The next day I told Jennifer, Jennifer, I don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know how we're going to do this. And she just looked at me and says, Benito, why don't you just pray and trust God? He'll be with us. He called us. This is his plan. So I went and I prayed, just like she said. And as I prayed, it's like that weight and that anxiety lift. It's like Martin Luther says, we should pray and let God worry. And you know what? God didn't let us down. Ten years later, there's a church. We're here today. Have there been challenges? Yes. Has there been disappointment? Yes. Has there been heartbreak? Yes. Have things gone according to everything that I planned? Absolutely not. But here's what I do know. God has been with me and his presence has sustained me every step of the way. And look at the assurance that God gives Abram. Fear not, Abram. I'm your shield. I'm your reward. God is saying, I'm your insurance policy. Don't worry. You have full coverage with me. Here's the first promise that God makes Abram. I'm with you. It's the promise of his presence. It's the greatest promise that we can ever have, that God is with you. God tells Abram, I'm by your side. I'm with you. Don't worry. And look at the imagery he gives. I'm your shield. I'm your protection policy. You think all state will protect you from mayhem? Don't worry. I'm a lot stronger than him. And he says, before something gets to you, it has to go through me. A shield would go in front. Guess what? I'm out in front of you. I see every attack. I see everything that comes your way. And I'm your shield, Abram. It's not going to get to you unless it gets through me. I got this, Abram. Don't worry. My presence is with you. And then he says something even more profound. I am your reward. This land is not your reward. The sun is not your reward, I promised. God is telling Abram, if you have me, you have everything you need. And so many times we get caught up in the destination that we forget to enjoy the journey and enjoy his presence every day. 
So God tells Abram, the real reward is not the destination. It's not where I'm taking you. It's not the land. It's not the sun. Here's the reward. I'm your reward, and I'm with you, Abram. That's what Moses understood. That's why we learned last week that he turned down the whole promise so that he could have God's presence. And let me tell you, here's the promise that God has given you in the midst of your uncertainties and your anxieties that God is with you. And one of the great tragedies of life is that we get to the end of the destination and we forget to enjoy every moment with the Lord. And I just feel like the Lord will say, no matter what you're in, no matter what season's going, don't let it steal your joy. Enjoy every moment with him. Because in my life, I realize that it's not about the places that we go, but it's the people and the presence that we're with and we're hanging out with. The Lord has given me an opportunity to travel the world and see some incredible, amazing places. People have hosted me in hotels I could never afford to go on my own. But every time, I'm always there by myself. And it's kind of boring. kind of sucks. And every time I'm FaceTiming Jennifer and the girls and everything, oh, look where I'm at. And, and, and I just don't enjoy the moment. Like, man, I've been to safaris in Africa, but I've enjoyed the zoos with my girls more because they're with me. And so many times we get so caught up in the destination of what God had promised us and what we need to go that we forget that our God is with us every step of the way, even in the in-between, even in the process. And he says, that should be enough. Enjoy my presence. It's the promise of my presence. And look at verse 4. And behold, I love this, the word of the Lord came to him. And he says, the word of the Lord spoke into this situation. The Lord said, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and he said, look toward the heavens. Number the stars if you're able to number them, he said to them. So shall your offspring be. God makes a promise to Abram that changed everything. When Abram was overcome with uncertainty, doubt, and anxiety, God spoke his word over him and over his situation. And I love verse 6. Abraham believed it, and he believed the Lord, it says, and it counted to him as righteousness. Man, the moment he believed God, boom, put that credit in my account. It's there. It's there. See, let me tell you, it's, there's one thing to believe in the Lord. It's another thing to believe the Lord. A lot of Christians believe in the Lord. Not many Christians believe the Lord for everything that he says. But when you can, you can believe in the Lord and not believe the Lord. But what Abram did is he believed what God said was true. He believed God's word. And he said, regardless of my circumstances, regardless of my situation, Lord, I trust you. I believe what you say. I believe your word. See, in the second thing, we see the second promise there. It's the promise of God's unchanging word over our lives. Moses said it like this in Numbers chapter 23, that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he changes his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? What God said he'll do, he will do. What do you need to believe the Lord for this morning? What thing in your circumstances and your situation does not line up with God's word? What has God put in your heart and many of us, we need to really understand that because that's where we're at. This is what God told me. This is what God put in my heart. And this is where I am. And, and this, is, this is what God said. And this is where I am. And this is the in-between. In the in-between, there's questions. In the in-between, there's anxieties. And let me tell you, most of our life is lived in the in-between. 
And unless we learn to apply the fact that God's with us in the in-between, to apply his word in the in-between, that we'll never walk in the peace that God has for us. Because here's the principle that I've learned over my life, that we must hold tightly to what God has put on our hearts, but loosely to how and when it's going to happen. We hold tightly to the what, but loosely to the how and the when. Because let me, what, what I've learned in my walking with God over the last almost 30 years, that God never works how and when I think he should work. God's me and God are constantly, we always in agreement on the what, but never on the how and the when. And I've learned this over my life. I remember praying over relationships and saying, God, this is who I should marry. And I prayed over that, and it didn't work out. And now I look at them, and I look at Jennifer. I'm like, Lord, thank you for not answering that prayer. I can write a book of how God has been with me. And, man, some of the, my, some of the greatest prayers that I've ever prayed are the prayers that he didn't answer. I remember when we first came here to plant freedom church it was in 2008 by the time we were 30 years old we had owned two homes god had blessed our ministry we we were we had done well financially. so we've done that to all of a sudden i'm working as a substitute teacher 12 hours uh, 12 dollars an hour we're struggling financially so we went from just building our brand new house to all of a sudden living in an apartment how many guys it's kind of adjustment when you go to an apartment and then not only you're in that apartment you're in that apartment with absolutely no way for a long time because we put all our personal credit to lease our first property that we had, there was no opportunity for at least the first four years to even own a house. And all of a sudden, that lease came up, and we're like, Jennifer, let's pray. Let's look at this, man. We're praying over them. We found this house, one of the only houses in the neighborhood that we wanted that was in our price range. We ran over it. We marched around it. We spoke in tongues over it. We're like, Lord, give it to us. We anointed with oil. We're like, Lord, this is the promise of the Lord. Thank you for that. We got a contract. They said, yes. It seemed like God was moving. And then I remember inviting Keith, who uh, worked conversion before we get in here, we get this feasibility. Would you come look at this house to make sure it's a house that we looked at? And he goes in, he looks at the house, and he says, Benito, this house is a pile of, it's not good. He says, man, the bones are bad. It's a lot of challenges. Man, there's a reason it's so low. So we terminated the contract. I remember Jennifer crying, and we were broken. I'm like, man, this is the only house that we could afford, Lord. How come? We, we prayed over it. We thought this was the house. Man, this was the perfect thing we got in here. And we remember that next day. We were praying and saying, okay, God, we'll just trust you in the midst of that. Well, we found out about a week later there was a house that went on sale that was ultimately the house that we would buy and live in there for seven years. They accepted the contract, and thank God for that because, man, we bought that house in 2012. In 2019, when we sold it it was sold for more than almost $120,000 more than we bought it for God's faithful and let me tell you your unanswered prayer is actually a blessing from God trust him the thing that you're believing God for the believing the thing that you really want man let me tell you man we trust God with the what but the how and the when is up to him can you trust God with the how and the when and what he says, because that is where we get in trouble. And God tells him this, man. So next time you're worried and your circumstances seem to be out of control, you got you to quote God's word. You got to apply God's word over that. Lord, all things work together for the good of those who love God and call according to your purpose. I don't understand why this is going the way it's going, but I trust you. When you overcome with anxiety about your finances, you got to quote Philippians 4.19, that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. 
When you feel like you're going nowhere and you're stuck and you feel like your spiritual life is on pause and God has forgotten you, quote Philippians 1, that the God who began the work will be faithful to complete in the day of Christ Jesus. That he is the author and the finisher of our faith. What you need to do when circumstances come, when things come that you do not understand, God's word will give hope and peace to the uncertainties of life in the midst of Abram being overwhelmed. God spoke his word over them. And let me tell you, there are 3,000 promises in the Bible that God has spoken over your circumstances and you got to be able to stand on the promises of God's word and God's word will bring encouragement to you God had given Abram these promises I'll make you a great nation I'll give you a land I'll give you a child now God says this now here's the thing I want you to live like these things are going to happen no matter the circumstances and look at how Abram responds in verse 8 oh Lord how am I to know, how am I to know that I shall possess it don't you love Abram? He's just like us. He's made of the same stuff like us. He has his doubts just like us. This is the man of faith. He says, God, how am I to know? This is a trust question. He says, God, how can I really trust you? And I love God's response to Abram's question. God doesn't say, how dare you question me? God lovingly and kindly says, you know, let me show you how you can trust me. It's powerful, verse 9. And he said to him, Bring a heifer three years old. You should have noticed. Bring a female goat three years old. A ram three years old. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for how long? Three days. The sacrifice was three days and he rose from there. Just something we'll look to later on. A turtle dove and a young pigeon. What in the world is going on? What's interesting here is found in verse 10. Look at verse 10. And he brought him all these. He cut them in half. And he laid each half against the other. Abraham wasn't, Abraham wasn't given instructions. God told him to bring the animals. And Abraham knew exactly what to do with them. He got the animals. He cut them in half. He was doing something everybody in those days would have known. God was asking Abraham to make a covenant. Covenants were contracts of the ancient times. Today, if you make a deal with somebody, you write a contract that has all this legal jargon and all these specific obligations, how both parties involved. For example, if you buy a house, you have this big, long book of contracts that you say signing for an hour and basically at the end of the day the contract says that if you don't make the payments they'll take away the house and they'll ruin your credit and you can't buy a house for a long long time but in the east with the eastern ancient world during biblical times they didn't make contracts they made covenants and the word covenant means to cut this was not a written culture like today it was an oral storytelling culture so the way they made contracts was far, far more effective than what we do today when they made a contract, they would act out the, con the consequences to the unfaithfulnesses and unfaithfulness of what happens to the person who does not fulfill the covenant in front of everyone. In those days, the way you took an oath, the way you made a covenant was not by signing it, but you took an animal. You would kill it. You would cut it in half. You'd throw it down and you'd put it on the ground and you'd walk between the place pieces. And what you're saying is, if I don't do everything I'm promising, may I be cut up in pieces. May I be destroyed. May my flesh lay on the ground for the birds of the air to feed that's what they were saying this is really more effective than a contract how many of you can sign a contract for a house if, it says, if i don't pay all this may i be cut up in pieces may i die may may i be shredded around and this is really effective if you really want somebody to keep their word and what happens is you would act out the curse of breaking the covenant so a covenant was a big deal 
Covenants were not made for small things like buying a camel or a tent. They were reserved for major life choices. And God here is making a covenant with Abram. This is what Bible scholars call the Abrahamic covenant. But what happens next is absolutely astounding and unbelievable. Nobody sees it coming as they're making this covenant. Verse 12, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. An overwhelming darkness of heart and mind came over him and he put him to sleep. This is a picture of our spiritual state before God. Our sin has darkened our hearts and it's put us to sleep spiritually. And notice, this is still happening. Verse 12 says, while the sun was still going down, it's in the middle of the day. But darkness covers it. So it's the middle of the day and darkness covers the earth. This is powerful. Don't miss this. Out of a dark cloud, God spoke dark things. Verse 13 through 16. I don't got time to exegete them all today. But basically, God said this. He says, your descendants will be slaves for 400 years. They're going to go through a difficult time, but I'll bring them out. But then in verse 17, something utterly astounding happens. Let's read it. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces so abram is here he's at his lowest point full of anxiety about the future he's questioning god and all of a sudden comes an image that changes his life forever in darkness he cannot move all of a sudden the pieces are cut off and all of a, i want you a lightning bolt just comes from heaven that's forever seared in his mind i want you to see that lightning bolt and the bible says that it went through the pieces in the midst of the darkness came a light in the darkness a blazing torch that passed through the pieces. And this is the whole gospel. This is the, per, this is the reason behind the gospel. Because there's no place, not even the New Testament, that gives us the gospel as clear as this passage. God is showing Abram why he can trust him. There are two problems and questions with trusting God. The first problem is this. God, how can I know I'll trust you? And here God answers Abram. He shows him. He says, I'll put my life on the line for this. And this gives Abram the assurance and confidence that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. God says, I will keep my promise. I'm a promise keeper. I'm a light in the darkness. And when God appears through that lightning bolt and he passes through the cut up animals, he says, I promise to bless you, Abram. I promise to be your God. I promise to be your child. I promise to bring salvation through the world through you. And God is saying this, if I don't keep my promise, may this happen to me. May my immortality suffer mortality. May my omnipotence suffer limitation. May my power suffer powerlessness. May my holiness suffer corruption. May my deity be reduced to humanity. May my body be ripped in pieces. Abram, I am going to keep this promise even even if it means I have to die. Even if it means my body has to be torn up. And this is what God said on that lightning bolt. Absolutely astounding. And from that moment, God changed Abram's name to Abraham. The two letters that were added to Abram's name and his wife were the word Ach. These letters come from God's covenant name, Yahweh. And God, it's kind of like a marriage ceremony that happens here that's why we change names in marriage in a covenant god takes abraham's name too and from this moment moment on every time in scripture every time in the bible that he reveals himself to somebody he is the god of abraham he takes his identity it's like this beautiful covenant and now abraham is identified with god he's abraham and he is the god of abraham and this incredible covenant comes to place 
And it's awesome. And Abraham has to be thinking, wow, this is incredible. But that's not really my main problem. God, you made me this promise. I believe you. But the real problem is I can't trust myself. I can't live up to my end of the covenant. I can't be my part. When it really comes down to it, I don't think I ever doubted you, God. I doubted myself. I can't make it to church on time. I, it's hard for me to serve, let alone keep my covenant. I, I can't come through on my part. You said that you'll be my people and I'll be your God, that I'll be your people and you'll be my God. But, Lord, how am I ever going to be the person that you want me to be? But did you notice? Did you notice? Is it something that you really need to get? It's so powerful. God walked through those pieces alone. He didn't, want, he didn't ask Abraham to walk through. And this is absolutely unique. This is absolutely stunning. Every person who read this had to have their mind blown because we know from history and archaeology, whenever a king would enter to a covenant with a lesser vassal, uh, a lesser king or a vassal or a conquered king, either both would walk through the covenant or the lesser king would walk through. The more powerful king would never walk through through this is what theologians tell us it's a suzerain vassal covenant it's one of the only times we ever see them where the more powerful servant walked through the pieces this never happened and what god is saying this he says i'm going through the both of us this i'm going to make the covenant it's not dependent on you abram it's all dependent on me this is the gospel god says i will take the curse of the covenant for both of us it's not a joint effort it's my job and my job alone to fulfill this abraham and God says to Abraham, if you don't make it and I don't make it through, even if you fail, may I be cut off. May I be thrown to peace. May my mortality suffer. May, 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 may he who is immortal become mortal. May he who is deity become humanity. May he who is holy become corrupted by sin. And what's really unbelievable, God says, God tells Abraham, I will be cut off even if you don't do your part. And I'm going to bless you no matter what. And centuries later, God would do that through Jesus. Isaiah 53, 8 says this, that he was cut off from the land of the living and stricken for the transgressions of his people. And Jesus died. And Matthew, the writer of the gospel said this, in Matthew 27, verse 45, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three. The same darkness that came over Abram. Darkness in the middle of the day, just like it did in this covenant with Abraham. And God was ripped up. He was torn to pieces on the cross in place of Abraham. God kept his promise to Abraham. And you might say, that is awesome. That's incredible. That God fulfilled that through Jesus. Like, man, I wish that God would speak to me. I wish that God would give me a promise like that. I wish that God would give me a blazing torch. If God would do that to me, I would trust him the rest of my life. Let me tell you what Paul says. Galatians 3.14. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. How many of you guys are Jews in here? Raise your hand. So if you're not a Jew, that means you're a Gentile. Every one of us are Gentiles. He redeemed us that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ so that by faith we might receive what? The promise. The same promise that God promised to Abraham, he promises to us. So here the assurance that God gives to Abraham, they come to us too. The promise of his presence. The promise of his unchanging word. And the promise of all, Jesus. So how do we apply this? What does that mean for us? Here we go. Do you see that all your problems 
I mean all your problems come because you don't trust the promises of God. You know why you're worried? You don't trust his wisdom. You know why you're angry and bitter? You don't trust his justice. You know why you hate yourself? You don't trust his love and his grace. You know why you're frustrated with where you're at in life? You don't trust that he's in control and he's guiding your steps. In fact, you know why we disobey God and sin? It's because we don't trust his ways better than our way. In other words, you're saying, God, I know better what makes me happy. And if I don't do what I want to do, I'll miss out. We don't trust God. And every problem that you're facing, every anxiety and every uncertainty comes from one thing, a lack of trust in Jesus. But from this moment on, after this defining moment, Abraham trusted God with everything. From this moment on, Abraham's hope was no longer in a land or a son. It was in a promise-keeping God. That's why Abraham was even willing to kill his only son, Isaac. Hebrews 11 says this of Abraham, that he considered that God was able to raise him up from the dead. He knew that God would keep his promise no matter what. I'll, I'll kill my son if I have to. But God, you made me a promise that you're going to do this. And I know that you're a promise-keeping God. See, God responded to Abram's fears by pointing him ahead to the cross. And God responds to our fears and anxieties by telling us to look back at the cross. That's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take communion. We're going to have the ushers get ready and pass out the elements for communion. Because as we look back, we see a trustworthy God. Paul said it like this in Romans 8.32. That since he did not spare even his own son, but he gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? Basically, this is what Paul is saying. That God took care of your biggest problem, your biggest issue on the cross. He took care of it. He gave you everything. Don't you think everything is small compared to that? That if God loved you enough to let Jesus die on the cross for you, don't you think he's going to help you in your job situation? Don't you think he's going to help you in your health, in your family? Don't you think he's going to help you with that thing that has, over, has you overwhelmed? There is nothing in your life that God doesn't care about. And you can trust him. So my question to you this morning is this. So I want you to really think about it. Do you believe that God is as trustworthy as the cross says he is. Is he that trustworthy? Close your eyes. I want you to think about that uncertainty. I want you to think about that anxiety. It might be a health concern. It might be paying for your kids' college. It might be a relationship. See, there was a light in the darkness that came in that seared Abraham's mind and vision forever and it sustained him that God will be with me. But we see a cross that says the same thing. That God was willing to die to keep his promise. He's a promise keeper. He is the light in the darkness. But let me just warn you. There's side effects to trust in God. Side effects. It's peace. It's joy. It's patience. It's a restful night. Some of you guys need that. Your God loves you. So what we're going to do, we take communion. And I want you to 
take the cup, take the bread, just peel off that top and rip it in half, just in that covenant and say, Lord, thank you. Because I see that the reason that you were ripped in half was to keep a promise that you made Abraham that's applicable to me. That you care about me and you love me. Just rip it in half and say, thank you for dying for me, Jesus, and rip to pieces with me. You can pop the top off the communion cup. Say, Lord, thank you that your blood was spilled for me. Take the cup. I want you to stand to your feet right there where you're at. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You might say, Benito, I'm struggling with worry and anxiety right now. And I need to trust God. God's speaking to me. There's areas in my life that I'm not trusting him with. And I want to trust him this morning. Just raise your hand right there where I want to pray for you. Hands going up everywhere. Just say this. Say, Lord, I trust you. You're a promise keeper. You're a way maker. You are that light in the darkness. And whatever it is you need to trust him with, trust him. It might be with your marriage. It might be with your life. It might be with the situation. It might be with your finances. Say, God, I trust you. I resign as being God and I trust you because you showed me that you're trustworthy on the cross. Thanks again for listening to the Freedom Church podcast. We hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others.